Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. Almighty God, to all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name through Christ our Lord. God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the body, and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Please be seated for the reading. A reading from the book of Exodus. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above, or that is on the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love 
to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work, you, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. pavilion for the sun. It comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. Judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping them there is great reward. Above all, keep your servant from, from presumptuous sins 
Let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound and innocent of a great offense. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided, through the foolishness of our proclamation, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The word of the Lord.
Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, what sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, this temple has been under construction for 46 years and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus has spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. I invite the children to come forward and to sit on the steps. So I have a question for you. How many of you have rules at home that you have to follow? You want to tell me what some of those rules are? Oh, you need a microphone. Tell you what, you can speak into this one. Who's got a rule they want to tell me about? Okay. Uh, I forgot. You forgot. Who remembers the rule? How about something about eating? You have to, like, eat dessert before you have dinner? No. Go to bed on time. Go to bed on time. Any other rule? Chew with your mouth closed. Chew with your <laughs> mouth closed. That is a really good one. Anybody else? Okay. Do you like rules? Do you think it's a good thing to have rules? Yeah. How about watching television? Can you do watch whenever you want to? No, I can see all the heads going. How many hours a day can you watch? <clears throat> Maybe longer on weekends, huh? But sometimes mom and dad say, no, too much. Gotta end this. We've got a lot of rules in life. We have rules in sports, like in baseball, it's three strikes and you're out. What would happen if we had 10 strikes and you out? It'd make a really long baseball game, wouldn't it? Yeah. What about um, riding your bike? Any rules about bike riding? 
Always wear your helmet. Very good. Same thing, yeah. It's a good thing to wear your helmet. You can say that twice. And grown-ups have rules about driving on the road, about how fast we can go and where we can drive. So we have a lot of rules to live by, and I think the world is a better place because of that, because it would be pretty scary if there weren't any rules to follow. God gave us some rules to live by, too. Who knows what they're called? The Ten Commandments. Yes. And he wrote them on? Stone. On stone, on two big tablets, like this, so we would never, ever forget them. So I've made a list of the Ten, I've made a list of the ten Commandments for you, and I'm going to give you this to take with you. Don't worship any other gods. Don't make anything more important than God. Don't use God's name in a bad way. You know, saying, oh my God. <laughs> On Sundays, what are you supposed to do? Worship him, and what else? And come to church if you can. Yeah, and, and there's another thing God says. God says we're supposed to play on Sundays. Have a good time, rest and relax, no work. Play and pray. Obey your parents. Don't kill anything. Be faithful to your family and to your promises. Don't steal. Don't lie. And don't be greedy. So those are God's rules, and they came on these tablets on a mountain. Anybody know the name of that mountain? Mount Sinai. Good for you. Okay. And there are the people of God underneath the tablets on the mountains. So I'm going to give you a list of these Ten Commandments. And you can take them with you as you go off to um, the, the faith program in the parish hall or back to your seats. Here you go. Thank you for coming to hear. Okay, off with you. There you go. More, they want more. There are only ten. <laughs> you got two. Okay, there you go. Thank you. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Well, those 10 commandments are simple and they're memorable. They fit on two stone tablets, not so heavy that Moses couldn't handle them both. Very unlike our modern legislation, that needs, has so many sections and so many indices that every bill needs a binder to hold it together. Function of the Ten Commandments is not to keep life running smoothly and to make us polite and obedient. God gave us these commandments in order to constitute us as a people, as a people whose faith forms us into a human community. 
ensures the commandments are here to tell us who we really are and to prod us to become the people that we ought to be. We live in an age that doesn't put much emphasis on those Ten Commandments, and this is so even in the church. We no longer put plaques with the commandments on the east wall of our churches, as Anglicans once did, and the commandments are no longer a regular weekly part of our liturgies, as they once were. We prefer to emphasize the grace of God rather than the law of God. And that's a good thing, because God's love comes first. And God only gave us the law because God loves us. But if we forget about the commandments, and if we forget about why God bothered to carve them in stone, we forget their importance and why God commands us to obey them. The love, the grace of God, and the law are not antithetical. The commandments are not harsh directives sent from on high by a distant tyrant. Rather, they're sent as help from a loving God to give us signposts on the tough journey of life. And the Ten Commandments are not ten different laws. They are really just one law in ten forms. I am the Lord your God. Therefore, do this and don't do that. The commandments are only the details. I am the Lord your God is the main thing. Because first comes God's rule, God's reign over us. And then come the rules. Take the commandment to honor the Sabbath day. Keeping holy one day out of seven is a regular way of keeping life in its proper perspective by taking time off to rest, to worship, to renew our spirits through spending time with God and with the people we love. God gave us this commandment so that we might enjoy life and play and give thanks. You may have seen the recent study that reports that Americans not only receive less time off than people in other nations, but of the little time off we get, we don't take it all. I think we'd better get started putting the Sabbath commandment into practice because God has given it to us to bless us and to give us rest. Take the commandment, you shall not bear false witness. <clears throat> the command against lying exists because we can't have any kind of society if we can't trust one another's words. God's commandment is against lies in our family, against public lying, against political lying, against all kinds of lying. Lying to protect your job or your reputation lying to get ahead by ruining somebody else's reputation, lying to sell goods or to make a profit, lying to the IRS, lying to make your country look better than it is, 
You know, if everybody told the truth, we wouldn't need fact checkers on our newspapers. And we wouldn't have to worry about fake news. Lying erodes the foundation of truth. And truth is necessary in order to have a common life. Organizations and families break apart and decay when members are not truthful with each other. Life is hell when lying becomes a way of life. Therefore, the people of God may not lie. We must be champions of the truth. And we must protest when our government lies. The first and maybe the most important thing that we know about the father of our country is that he didn't lie about chopping down a cherry tree. And although historians have told us that this story may be a myth, we continue to remember it and to make it central because it's a powerful representation of the honesty that we need firmly set in our foundation. Take the commandment, you shall not steal. This is much more than a matter of not snitching candy bars from the grocery store or lifting a towel from a hotel bathroom. The prohibition against stealing what does not belong to you is rooted in the concept of a God of justice who has provided the resources of the earth to be shared by all the people of the earth. If we take Jesus' anger against the unjust vendors in the Jerusalem temple as an example of God's reaction to those who exploit others, how do we think God views those who don't pay their employees a fair wage? Or a nation that spends more money in one day of war in Afghanistan than it spends in a whole year to aid the impoverished countries in Africa. You shall not steal, says God. You cannot take what belongs to someone else, and you shall not covet what other people have. You know, if you spend your life yearning for a bigger car or a bigger house, a fancier office or a fancier vacation, dreaming of being a rock star or a scratch golfer, You'll forget to give thanks for what you have. You'll forget about sharing what you have with those who have less than you do. You'll be jealous and resentful instead of being grateful and satisfied. You shall not commit adultery, says God. Sexuality is a gift from God part of the wonderful way that God has made us. I think the very best hint we may have of God's love for us, God's yearning to be one with us, is being pursued by a lover who wants to become one with us. Sexual attraction, sexual relationships teach us about love and about God, but sex without love is not godly. And so trivializing sexuality as a means of advertising, or using pornography, 
or prostitutes. They all teach us of the power of lust, not of the love of God. Now how about thou shalt not kill? If we are commanded not to take life, how can anyone think that there should be no restrictions on the sale of AR-15s? We can argue, and we should argue, about other ways we kill, about capital punishment and abortion and eating meat and euthanasia and just war. But surely no one can come up with a good argument for having bump stocks and assault weapons at home, let alone in the hands of an 18-year-old boy who says he'd like to be a killer. God is clear. Thou shalt not murder. Enough is enough. God gave us these commandments for a purpose. When God gave Moses the tablets of the law, the desert dwellers who were found following Moses became a people. They became the Israelites. They became, became a family brought into being by God and given the code by which they would live. And as they decided how to obey this code, how to obey God's law, the people gained a sense of identity and, and of purpose and of connection. The law defined who they were and how they should live. And they did that for 600 years until they were forcibly exiled in Babylon. And when they went into exile, what they were singing was this. How can we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? Well, the Jews did four things in their Babylonian exile to maintain their identity. Here's what they did to sing the Lord's song. They circumcised their sons. They kept dietary rules. They ate a Passover meal to remember their rescue from Pharaoh. And they tried to keep the commandments. They kept them as a moral code, but more importantly, they kept the commandments as the values and the mores of a people whose God had redeemed them from slavery and given them this law and given them their identity. The Jews knew that if you break a commandment and repent, God will forgive you. God's forgiveness wasn't an issue. But if you forget the commandments, then you will forget that there is a God who will forgive you. You will forget who you are, how you got here, and what you are about as a people. Sabbath, diet, Passover, law. People who honor these things are Jews in whatever culture they happen to find themselves. People who honor these things are people who stand for something. And they have to, because that something or someone is the way they understand who they are. God didn't create us and then leave us like lost sheep without a clue about God's expectations for us. God loves us enough to tell us straight out 
what those expectations are. Jesus says the expectations are only these, love God and love your neighbor. And the way we are to do this is to follow the commandments. We are to be truth tellers so our word can be trusted. We are to be faithful to our promises no matter what. We are to come together every Sunday to worship God. We are not to kill and not to steal. The commandments are not helpful suggestions. They are not recommended guidelines. They are not a formula for success. Commandments are a matter of life and death. Can you imagine living without them? Can you imagine having a God who just doesn't care about the law, about how we live? Can you imagine having no identity as a people formed and shaped by God's law? Thank God for the commandments, for every single one of them, and incline our hearts to keep these laws. Let us stand as we affirm our faith by reciting the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty. We give you thanks, O Lord, for the commandments you have set before us. They lead us away from false idols and free us from slavery to what would destroy us. Amen. 
We thank you for commanding us to rest, for giving us time to love and time to appreciate the world you have made. We thank you for charging us to worship and remember your goodness. We thank you for leading us on paths of righteousness, for the teachers and friends who have taught us of truth and virtue, for the people of St. John's, its staff and clergy, and for our bishops, Ian and Laura. We pray for our public servants, for Daniel, our governor, Nancy, our lieutenant governor, and Donald, our president. Inspire and guide them and those who give them counsel. We give you thanks for the young people calling this nation to end gun violence. Bless them and those who support them and give wisdom and prudence to those working on gun legislation. We pray for those who are sick and suffering, for those who mourn and are heavy laden. We ask your protection of those who serve in the armed forces. We entrust into your loving care those we love but see no longer, remembering especially Leah Susan Crossley Grieger. Let the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Please stand. May the peace of the Lord be always with you. Please be seated. Welcome to St. John's. If you're new or you haven't been here in a while, please feel free to fill out the card hanging in the pew in front of you and put it in the offering plate. 
and I will be in touch to tell you a little bit more about our wonderful community here at St. John's. Also, if you see someone you don't know or is not familiar, please go up and introduce yourself and invite them for a cup of coffee in the parish hall. It makes all the difference in the world to have a friendly face greet us. We are in the midst of Lent, and part of that is creating times for reflection and prayer. We have our Lenten devotional. If you haven't picked one up, please do so in Hubbard Hall. Beautiful, beautiful, very thoughtful reflections from you all, and I find them inspiring, and so that's been part of my Lenten discipline. Also, you can go online, whether you're traveling or here, uh, through Forward Movement and follow along in reading the book, the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts, all through Lenten and Eastertide. It's something the entire Episcopal Church is doing together worldwide. And it, again, it's another way to observe a most holy Lent. Please do keep your bulletins, not only to pray for the people who are listed there, also to get informed of all the things that are going on. Today, Pipes Alive at 1230, going to be a wonderful organ recital. Next week, we're going to have a special concert, Filet Requiem, at 4 o'clock here in combination with Norwich on the Green uh, Church, St. Paul's on the Green in Norwich, and uh, a combination of both choirs. It will be spectacular. So invite a friend and come. That is March 11th at 4 p.m. Today we also have our Celtic service, monthly service. Last month we had 78 people come. The word is spreading. It's a way to come and leave all your concerns outside that door and really feel that balm of Gilead is what we said in the hymn uh, as a way to rest and really feel God's presence in your life to help us with all the things we have to deal with. I encourage you also, Faith at Work. This is our Lenten series, interviewing people and sharing their stories and how they integrate their faith into the everyday life, both the successes and failures, and how it connects to our lives and God's story. Uh, last week, it was Lieutenant Governor Nancy Wyman. She's an incredible person. She is a grandmother, and that's what she spent mostly talking about that and imparting values to her grandchildren that she learned from her grandparents. As I said, we should all have grandmothers in government. Uh, it would make a difference, I think. Today we had Wes Winterbottom, one of our wardens. He told incredible, heartwarming stories about students that he works with that is really his ministry. I wish he had been my chemistry teacher when I was struggling. Uh, next week it's Eleanor Barnes, one of our parishioners, who has also been very, very active in our stewardship. She's going to be sharing part of her story. And then the last week is Mushinsky, the representative. So please, mark that on your calendar and make a point to come if you have the time. We also have healing ministers who are available during communion for a blessing for yourself or for someone else. We also have candles that you can light as a gesture, something tangible, again, to say a prayer for you or for someone else. Wherever you're struggling with, whatever that is in your life, how we live into that person God has called us to be, by following the commandments. And when we fall short, we need the assurance that there is grace and compassion. So whatever that may be, know that you're welcome to the table to accept the body and blood, the bread and the wine, to uphold us and sustain us this day and always. So walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give God thanks and praise. It is right and a good and a joyful thing, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You bid your faithful people to cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast, that fervent in prayer and works of mercy and renewed by your word and sacraments, they may come to the fullness of grace, which you have prepared for those who love you. Therefore, we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. Sanctus, 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 On the night he was handed over to suffering and death, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread. And when when he had given thanks to you, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving. Recalling his death, resurrection, and ascension, we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, the holy food and drink of new and unending life in him. Sanctify us also that we may faithfully receive this holy sacrament and serve you in unity constancy, and peace. And at the last day, bring us with all your saints into the joy of your eternal kingdom. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. 
And now, as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed him on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving.
eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food and the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now in the world of peace, grant us strength and courage, love and serve you, gladness and singleness of our heart. Look mercifully on this, your family, almighty God, that by your great goodness they may be governed and preserved evermore through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always.